Welcome to the Living in Desire podcast. I am your host, Natalie of Natalie Christina Coaching. I am a relationship coach on a mission to normalize conversations about sex, God, and the interplay in between so that individuals and couples worldwide can step into ignited, conscious, romantic partnership and begin to truly live in desire. As you listen today, don't forget to screenshot any points that resonate with you, share and tag Living in Desire podcast on Instagram so that I can learn exactly what is pulling you in and be sure to roll out content that caters to you where you're at right now. Today, we are talking long distance relationships and anxious attachment style. This topic actually came up as I was doing a recording for a friend's channel earlier this morning, and I was just feeling drawn to dive in to a little bit more detail on my story, how this has played out for me, and some top tips and tricks for navigating anxious attachment in a long distance relationship or in a relationship more generally, but long distance is definitely the focus of the day. Um, So probably I will be sharing more on the individual topics of LDRs and anxious attachment further down the road, Uh, but for today, just looking at really the space between how those come together and giving you some tips to navigate that, whether you are just starting out in your long distance relationship, or perhaps you are years and years into a specific romantic partnership and now the distance is coming up for the first time so it is brand new to you and you are feeling out the waters so a little bit of backstory to share about my specific partnership and why this is very relevant for me so my partner hunter and i um, name is not anonymous because you will see him tagged on my social media on occasion, if you've been paying attention, and probably more so now that the wedding planning is in full swing. Yay, partial sarcasm there. More on that later. Um, So we have been together now for four years and in a long distance relationship from the very beginning. Um, Very quickly, we learned that we both have different communication styles definitely different priorities in terms of social engagement, extracurricular activities, um, even just our work schedules. Now they've sort of leveled out, but especially when we started dating, they were very different. I do not have a car. He does have a car. So anytime we were together, it was really on him to be making that journey. Uh, So there was a lot to feel out and especially a lot to feel out very early on in getting to know each other. Not sure if you are like me, but any partnership I had had before that, we definitely had proximity in our favor. And so navigating distance aside from the odd small vacation where we probably still had phone contact was not really something that I had had to deal with. And the times that I did have to deal with it, I remember a lot of repetitive, obsessive thinking, worrying what the person was doing, who they were with, if they were thinking about me. A lot of those sort of self-doubt thoughts came into play in my narrative. Um, Or on the flip side, if we did have contact, we were texting nonstop, we were calling each other every night, feeling each other in on our day, falling asleep to the sound of the other person on the phone, those sorts of things, which absolutely those can be fantastic. And if that is the middle ground where you and your partner are meeting and it is coming from a genuine place of intentional connection, amazing. For me, I know now it was definitely being 
driven by at the base of it, even if there were some genuine intentions in there. I love this person. I want to talk to them. I want to share about my day. The frequency, the way it had to happen, how it felt to process that was coming from a place of anxiety and to an extent, a place of being quite codependent and controlling of the relationship and the other person in a sense, in terms of needing them to show up in a specific way to satisfy these things that I felt I needed, these anxieties to feel validated. Side note, you might not know this, um, but I definitely will be going back to do some editing on some long pauses on this recording because I am coming out the tail end of a flu that landed me in the hospital. I have a bit of a scratchy throat, feeling very slow moving. And so I am taking pause as I need it throughout this conversation to hydrate, to just be quiet, to breathe deeply, whatever it might be. So consider this your permission to do the exact same. Um, If you need to pause and come back later, that's okay. If you need to pause just to take it all in, or you need to take a break or take that glass of water or take off your headset because it's hurting your head, whatever it is, This is your permission slip. I find sometimes, at least for myself, if I say, oh, I'm gonna do this right now, I'm really excited, I'm I'm, I'm all in, I can get a little bit carried away in terms of it's hard to then give myself permission to break away from that if something else pulls me. So I just wanna hold space for you. The really amazing thing about this podcast platform and part of the reason I dove into it is because you get to engage on your terms and so, There is no judgment, no shame, no anything except just love. If you need to put it down, press pause and go do something else or take a deep breath for yourself or nourish your body or self-exploration, whatever it is you're feeling drawn to do, you have permission. So anyway, that's my hydration station spiel for the day. Turning back to today's topic, a couple things that came up for me and that were really valuable for me in terms of navigating long distance relationship right off the bat, and in particular, uh, things that I needed to look at as someone entering that space with a default anxious attachment style. Now I say default because just because something is a default behavior does not make it truth. And I know there's a lot of talk about that book Attach and I've absolutely read it and that's partly where I got this lingo from for the anxious attachment style. And it is really powerful to recognize that, I think, about ourselves. The other thing with that is just because I recognize that this is my default attachment style does not mean it is up to someone else to fix it or to make me feel okay. I think a baseline component of anxious attachment is that I very quickly, when I'm feeling off kilter, unsettled, disconnected, default to looking outside myself to satisfy some sort of insecurity or vulnerability or fear. And the issue with that is that I really, at the end of the day, cannot depend on another person, a human being, a fallible being, to consistently show up and fill that void for me. And so that's where we need to look somewhere else. And I think that takes us back to some of my other episodes and a big part of what my coaching is on, which is connecting to a higher power, connecting to something outside myself that is probably not human in some way that can give me perspective in those moments. And so a big one that first came up for me that I need to figure out 
how to address in this partnership when we were both coming from very different places, different contexts, different ages, different countries, um, and different needs and communication styles, like I mentioned, uh, was what do I really need and where is this coming from? And, and my initial fear was, um, if this person isn't responding to my messages, what are they doing? They're going to forget about me. And I think when I had had proximity in favor, that didn't come up. When proximity was there, we spent time together all the time when we first started dating. And it was fun and it was exciting and we're getting to know each other. And I do think that that was a genuine draw to do that. I also believe now knowing a bit more about my default attachment is that a lot of that is actually driven by fear. And there quite possibly is some baseline chemical reason for this. I don't really know. Could be worth looking into. I'm not a scientist. Don't quote me. Uh, but it was absolutely coming from a place for me of needing to know that I was enough for that person, that that person was interested by me, that they weren't going to forget and move on to the next person. It gave me a sense of security. It gave me a false sense of security. But at the time, absolutely, that helped me to feel secure in that partnership, to feel like I was getting what I needed, I was being met on my terms, all those lovely little bits. Moving into a long distance relationship, that's just not an option. And so, like I was mentioning, the first time that I didn't hear back from a text and this, my now partner was spending time with someone else and I was really upset. And I had to, for myself, step back, and this is a tool I absolutely recommend, just step back, reflect, tune into higher power, outside perspective, to see really what is the truth of what I am needing in this moment. And now this was before we were in a committed relationship. We were kind of in the courting stages. And what I realized was that I needed to know that this person was going to be available for me when I was making myself available for them. Now, of course, maybe not of course, to me of course, it is unreasonable to expect that every time I am making myself available, that person is going to be free. We are living our own lives. And this goes for long distance relationship or really any sort of partnership relationship, whether it be friend, partner, parent, anything at any point in time. I feel this is something that we get carried away with. I get carried away with, with, with instant messaging. Like these things are so quickly at our fingertips, but the thing is an instant message does not warrant an instant response. It might, that person might not have capacity mentally, emotionally, spiritually. They might just be otherwise engaged. They might have other priorities, whatever it is. They're not necessarily going to be there for me at that time. And so our solution for that was to schedule a time weekly. It was the same day. So Tuesdays at 8 p.m. was our Skype date. And that was our non-negotiable. And that was something that we both decided was reasonable to opt into. We could both handle with our schedules. We can make it work and we could hold ourselves accountable for. And for me, yes, there were still some anxieties at times where I was texting, I wasn't hearing back, or he didn't text me goodnight or whatever that is. And knowing that there was this time every week where we were committed to each other and he was showing up for helped me still feel like our relationship and I, more generally, was being prioritized so that I could then take those other anxious thoughts to my mentor to hash those out instead of dumping those on my relationship. 
And so that brings us to the next point that I have found really, really powerful is having some sort of a mentor outside of the partnership. And yes, of course, I coach on this stuff. This is not a plug for you to come and work with me. I'm talking in general. It could be a priest. It could be a counselor. It could be a coach. Um, It could be some sort of a spiritual or guide or someone you've met on some other journey who you consider a mentor figure. My main suggestion is that this is not someone from your friend circle. It is someone who is not engaged with your social circle. They can offer objective feedback and they're someone who you can bring everything to and have it be considered locked away in a vault. So in that sense, it's not gossip. It's not that I'm going to a friend talking about my partner and what he or she did or didn't do and going down that train. Because for me, when I do that, I really do not feel settled after that. This is somewhere where I can bring all those things, gets locked away, and then I can begin to work on my part and move forward. So for me, I then turned to my mentor for those little fears, those little insecurities and apprehensions that came up in between those weekly calls or in between text messages. And that was really powerful for me to start doing some of that deeper healing on my defaults and to figure out why those were coming up and to realize that, you know, if something bad happened in the past, this relationship is new and to figure out how I could show up honestly and authentically for this person where they were at right now and give them space to learn along their journey while I continued to learn along mine. And through that process, the next thing I think probably the last thing for today because I am hungry and I am tired and I want to snuggle on the couch with my cat is that in doing that, I then have that sounding board for all those isms, we'll say, that are coming up, the anxieties, and I don't need to dump those on my partner anymore because if you think back to what I said at the beginning of this conversation, really it is not up to my partner to fix my anxious attachment or to make me feel better in spite of that. Once I identify that I have an anxious attachment style as a default, I can then pick up the tools to work through that. And that's not for them to fix or adjust. That's something that I can do. I can recalibrate. I can figure out what that less anxious second thought is. And I can start working and living in that to shift my focus and shift my approach. And so with having that mentor, it gave me space to bring those anxieties, to bring them raw and and openly and share all those details and dump it all in a spot so that I wasn't bringing it to my partnership. I wasn't expecting my partner to fix it. And then instead, when I come to my partner, and when I did come to my partner, thinking back to the early days, I could say, you know, this is what happened. Or if we go, you know, you didn't text me goodnight. I understand you have other things going on and that's not something that we've necessarily committed to even though we both agreed that it would be great if that happened consistently. I just wanted to share that when that happened, I started to feel insecure and unseen. I'm not expecting you to fix that. I just wanted to let you know so you can know what I'm processing and I'm talking to my mentor about it and I'm working through it because I don't want to put that pressure on our relationship. And it's an opportunity to more objectively share, this is what happened, this was my response. Take responsibility for that response. It's not to cause ourselves to feel guilt or shame. It's just to acknowledge this was my default reaction. 
and then we can share and I'm working through it by doing X or I'm working through it this and I would appreciate if you tried to do YZ. It might not mean those things happen and that's where what we are trying to do on our own side of the street becomes really integral to this part of the journey and to healing that anxious attachment default. However, it absolutely is an opportunity. If we are feeling grounded and we can communicate without expectation, to be able to establish a realistic expectation if we go back to kind of what we touched on um, in the last episode. So pulling this all back into long distance relationships, the reason I talk about it in the context of long distance is I really do truly believe that without proximity in favor, it creates this wonderful, awful, messy breeding ground for all of these anxieties that maybe before had been at bay, they now come to play because we are open and we're vulnerable and we don't have that physical contact to soothe us. We don't have an easier opportunity at the end of the day to just turn to our partner and say, hey, this thing happened, let's talk about it. We might have to schedule talk a couple of days out. And now granted that can happen in any relationship, I think it can be a bit more common in long distance. Uh, Maybe less likely that your schedules are lining up or your time zones are lining up or whatever that might be. So I really hope that for anyone tuning in, you have found something in here helpful. Uh, Any questions, any feedback, anxious attachment styles, and in particular, curing anxious attachment styles and long distance relationships are one of my absolute favorite topics, definitely my jam. So feel free to shoot me a message, leave a comment if there is a question you'd like answered on a future episode, or if you are feeling the pull, I am always open for a one-on-one conversation. So thank you again for tuning into today's episode of the Living in Desire podcast. If you haven't already, I would super appreciate if you hit that subscribe button and left a five-star rating and review to help make this show more accessible to other magical humans like yourself. Until next time, I am your host, Natalie of Natalie Christina Coaching, wishing you the most desire-filled day.